Anna. I'm Riley. This is Ill-Advised Stories. Written by my dad. It's my dad too! <laughs> Can we have our allowance now? Welcome again to the adventures of Dr. Augustus Mahan and his sister Missy Mahan. This time they're working for Santa, solving a Christmas case. My brother woke me early on Christmas morning, and it wasn't for presents. Our stockpile of paper-wrapped goods would have to wait. When he popped his head inside my room, he said the words I'd been waiting to hear. It's happened again! I bounced from my bed, knowing exactly what he meant. It had been the subject of last night's Christmas Eve dinner. You must understand, there are only a few crimes on my brother's ledger left unsolved, and one occurred last year on December 25th. Apparently, that wasn't the first assault either. Over the years, our client, this poor fellow, had been accosted more than once in different locations on Christmas Eve, all with a similar purpose. To my disappointment, when our client retained us, he didn't stick around to do it himself. Rather, he left a message inscribed on ancient paper, tucked away under our tree. We would never accept such mysterious behavior from anyone else. But this person was well known, and his character was above reproach. And given that the night of the crime is the busiest time of year for him, we couldn't blame the mythical merriment maker for not sticking around. And besides, there was no better present Santa could leave my brother than an unsolved crime. I'm Missy Mayhem, and that means my older sibling is none other than the famous boy detective, Dr. Augustus Mayhem, the only 12-year-old with a degree in digging up the truth. Where did it happen, I asked Augustus. Fifth Avenue, near the zoo. He rubbed his chin. Another zoo, just like last year. Still, it was a bit of luck. The staff there was able to respond quickly and help the poor animal. My brother didn't have to remind me that last year's attack, on this very night, had been in front of the Bronx Zoo. Well, we won't have to travel as far, at least. Augustus held up the ancient scroll with Santa's message. Apparently, our presents had already been delivered. I wondered if I had time to peek and see if any of the boxes looked big enough to hold the bazooka. My brother doubted Santa would get me such a present, but I'm ten years old now. I was ready to move on from hand-to-hand -hand combat and straight into artillery. I don't much care for guns, but a bazooka? Well, that's different. My brother was looking at the paper. He says he'll return to check on his reindeer in a week's time. I'm hoping we'll have some answers for him by then. You mean we actually get to meet the jolly old elf? I asked excitedly. That's up to him, Missy. He is a bit of an introvert. Shall we make our way to the zoo? Augustus stepped out of my room, motioning for me to follow. I looked down at my Christmas pajamas. They were fleece, but not nearly warm enough to go investigating a crime in New York City in December. You'll have to give me a moment, dear brother, I said. I'll meet you in the foyer. My brother nodded as he left. Given the icy temperatures outside, I opted not to wear a dress. Though I will confess that I have an affection for fashion. Tonight, though, I chose something simple. Combat boots, tactical pants, a warm-knit sweater, and my red Christmas-colored peacoat with the fancy buttons. Of course, my apparel was only simple on the outside. I'd had my jacket custom-made with special pockets to conceal a variety of defensive devices. I won't list them all, but I kept a few smoke bombs, a rapidly expanding combat staff, and a grappling hook in those hidden holding places. It made the coat a bit heavy, but it meant I wouldn't have to bring my purse. I wrapped my scarf and headed out to meet Augustus. We passed Rudy, our doorman, dozing in the corner. 
Given that it was 2.30 in the morning, I couldn't blame the guy. My brother had already called for a taxi, and a yellow cab pulled up to our building through a freshly fallen inch of snow. Where to? The driver asked. She was an older woman with gray hair tied back in a head wrap and an accent that could have been from the tropics. To the zoo, Central Park Zoo, to be specific. But do be careful not to approach too closely. There's a crime scene in the road waiting for my perusal. The woman looked back over the seat, lifting one eyebrow in recognition. You're that boy detective, Dr. Mayhem, she asked. That's correct, ma'am. Augustus's eyes were still on the note. Well, child, you ride for free, she said, putting the taxi in drive. This happened from time to time. My brother, because of his age, and because of the number of lurid crimes he solved, was a minor celebrity in the city. We, however, were blessed to be under a trust, set up by our ancestors back when New York was young. Now I must insist you charge me, good lady, not take a penny out of the pocket of someone forced to work on Christmas Eve. In fact, if you can do as I ask and not disturb the crime scene, there will be a hefty, healthy tip waiting for you. How generous. What a nice young man. The driver sounded amused, and her ancient eyes twinkled before she turned her head and pulled out onto the snow-glazed roadway. She did a fine job, passing through the park, which looked magical covered in frozen flakes. The lights of the city surrounding the rolling trees were enchanting in the distance. Stop here, please, my brother called as we approached the corner of Fifth Ave. We parked between the children's zoo and the large remain zoo on East 65th Street, getting out well before the corner shared with the famous roadway. We were in front of the bridge that ran over the pedestrian walkway between the two sides of the zoo. Ordinarily, this would be a terrible spot to stop, what with the traffic in the city. But given the early hour and the fact that it was Christmas morning, the street was as empty as could be. Augustus and I got out. My brother paid generously, while the taxi remained in its spot. To our right and down, we could see the zoo's walkway and the famous Delacorte clock with its bronze animal statues dancing in a circle. Every hour, they would chime out nursery rhymes. Carefully, Augustus approached the concrete handrail. He pointed to a number of spots where the snow had been disturbed. Look, Missy, do you know what those are? I only had to consider them for a moment, remembering my lessons on tracking. Those are reindeer hooves, I said, using my finger and thumb to measure them. Then I looked down at the pedestrian walkway beneath us. I could obviously see more tracks in the snow, along with the rails of a sled. Santa had been here. Augustus turned and pointed at the street. And look there, do you see those tire tracks? They were straight, going through an inch of snow, twisting only a little. When I nodded, my brother pointed back at the path and added, Santa was taking off, coming up from the walkway below, going into the air when someone hit him. Not him. One of his reindeer, I corrected. Well, yes, exactly. Come along, Missy. We crossed the street and saw more paw prints, and to our great alarm, a bit of blood. My brother looked over the side, down where the pedestrian walkway picked up again. We could see the snow below us had been disturbed. He crashed there, Augustus said. I looked back at the scene where the tire tracks crossed Santa's path. They caught him just as he was lifting off. Perhaps it was only a bit of bad luck. A car on the road wouldn't have been able to see him. It probably seemed like Santa was coming out of nowhere. I would agree with you, dear sister, if there hadn't been a pattern. If this hadn't happened before. Also, look how straight those tire tracks are. They made no effort to swerve. This was intentional, he said, pointing back. That's horrible, I muttered while gritting my teeth. I'd, of course, noticed the tracks as well. 
But some part of me still struggled to believe anyone could attack Sanar, one of his reindeer. We need to get down there. Augustus pointed at the place where Santa landed. He wasn't surprised at all to see me take the grappling hook and a length of rope out from under my bright red coat. I hooked it on the rail, then tied an end around his waist. When I had him secured, he awkwardly climbed over. My brother may be a genius, but his athletic ability was somewhat embarrassing. Trusting me completely to lower him, he asked, Are you familiar with Einstein's theories of relativity? A bit, I answered. Surprised by this change of subject and trying not to grunt as the line took his weight, I think Augustus might have had one too many Christmas cookies. It's important to understand because it's how Santa manages to move through the whole world in a single night. You see, during his travels, he moves close to the speed of light, the cosmic speed limit for the whole universe. As he does this, time slows down for him and a single night seems to last an extraordinary amount of time but only from his perspective. Augustus's feet touched down as he continued while untying himself. It's funny, really, when you think of all the children staying up late to catch a glance of the old man, not knowing that what they're attempting is nearly impossible. The very physics won't allow for it. It's science! I listened from above, and as soon as he was clear, I swung my legs over the rail, using the rope to slow myself only a little, as I asked. But how does he accomplish such a feat? Magic, I think. Augustus shook his head. He didn't approve of such things. Elemental power always came with a cost. I saw the side of the crash. Santa had narrowly missed being skewed on the wrought iron fencing that ran down either side of the narrow walkway. The snow was tussled and disturbed where his sled had skidded, coming to stop near the bridge. It was an emergency landing. My brother bent over as he moved down the side of the path avoiding the trail of the sleigh and the reindeer. Look here in the snow. You can see his steps going halfway, checking on his team. One of the poor creatures in the middle was hurt. Augustus stood up. Let's go check on the patient, he said, starting back towards the main zoo. How do you know it's that way, I asked. Santa's footsteps are the first indicator. Look beside you. Augustus pointed to the footprints I had been carefully avoiding. They're heavy, as if Santa were carrying something. A reindeer is a large animal. I wonder if Santa is incredibly strong, or if enchanted deer weigh less than their non-magical cousins. Either way, it's clear he went this way, back toward the clinic and the zoo. Come along, it's not far from the penguin exhibit. came from my mouth, an unintentional sound of joy, a thrill at the mention of penguins. I love penguins. Augustus wondered. There's a piece missing, and aside from checking on the reindeer's well-being, I think we'll find what I need to put this all together in that clinic. We passed beneath the clock atop its archway. There was a small gate to our left. Under normal circumstances, it would have been locked, but as Santa had passed this way only a while before, it swung back on its hinges. Hold on, Missy, my brother said, examining the ground. It was obvious that Santa had been there with his wounded animal. But there were other footsteps as well. In fact, the ground was trampled, and there were a few oats left behind, scattered about. They seemed to shimmer in the moonlight. My brother bent down and examined it, then picked it up and held it in his hand, looking even closer with a magnifying glass he pulled from his pocket. What an unusual grain. Missy, I believe this is reindeer food. Really? That's fascinating, I said, looking down the path, wondering if the penguins were sleeping. Yes, but also telling. 
Augustus got to his feet after putting the oat in a small baggie. This is the piece I was looking for, bringing us closer to an answer. We started down the path and heard seals snoring in the distance. Their tank was the centerpiece of the zoo, just past the main entrance, with a small rocky island in the middle. My brother didn't go to the main entrance of the penguin display. Rather, he took me round the back door. He tapped on it, and an older woman looked out, allowing only a crack. Children, what are you doing here? The zoo is closed. You should be home in your beds. She snapped at us. We've come to examine the victim, my brother said. Victim? What victim? I have half a mind to call your parents. She managed to wag her finger at us, even through the half-closed door. Augustus put his hands on his hips. You'd find that rather difficult. Our parents have been missing since Missy here wore diapers, which I assure you was a much briefer time than most children. That's another mystery for me to solve. My parents' disappearance, not my sister's accelerated potty training. But tonight, I'm on a different case. I was hired by the owner of the animal you have in there, and I must insist you allow us to examine that reindeer. Owner? Well, I've had just about enough of your nonsense. She made to close the door, but I quickly saw to it that she couldn't. The rapidly extending combat staff I mentioned earlier appeared in my hand, telescoping out, wedging into the opening. Augustus went to push the door further, but as I said, his athletic ability was wanting. Even an old woman was capable of holding him at bay, although he may have done better if he stopped talking. Yes, I mean Santa Claus, and before you suggest that his existence is only a story, I would warn you we've irrefutable evidence. The jolly old elf hired us this very night to investigate the assault on his animals. Ah, now please let us in! The grandmother pushed back and tried kicking my staff out of the door while snarling at us. Go away, you awful children! Excuse me, Augustus, I asked. My brother was wise enough to remove himself as I pulled on the staff, swinging both my legs up and kicking the door in. I'm small, only being ten, but momentum sent more force at the door than this old woman could handle, knocking her on the head. Offering her a hand, I asked, You're uninjured, I hope. You didn't strike your head or break a hip, did you? You'd take more than that, girl. She waved the hand off and got to her feet then reached in her pocket and came out with a set of brass knuckles. I felt conflicted, wondering why a grandmotherly sort would have such a weapon. I considered for a moment that she worked in Central Park. Perhaps it was for protection? But a can of mace would have made more sense, unless she really knew how to use those knuckles. It would be interesting to find out, I thought, as I went into a fighting stance. A voice called down from the hall. Edith, who is that? Is the detective here? The brass knuckles disappeared just as quickly as they'd arrived, when Augustus came in behind me, calling, Indeed it is I, Dr. Augustus Mayhem. Your door warden has proven rather difficult to get around. Would you be so kind as to call her off? A tall-looking man came around the corner. Hello, Dr. Mayhem. My name is Carlos Esposita. I'm the night zookeeper. I was told you'd be coming. Told by Santa Claus? My brother asked. Zookeeper Esposito looked nervous. His eyes went to Edith, then he nodded. This way, please. He led us to an examining room and closed the door behind us, leaving Edith out. A rather large animal was laid out onto the table. I saw its antlers first. Then I looked to its belly, where I saw it rise and fall slowly, with calm, sleepy breaths. The reindeer is sedated. I had to knock him out while I reset its leg bowl and put a cast on it. Zookeeper Esposito said from the door. He was keeping his voice low, looking at where he'd left Edith. 
She wasn't even supposed to be here tonight. He muttered to himself. What's that? My brother asked. Edith, our volunteer. She helps me on the night shift sometimes. But she wasn't supposed to be here tonight. Not on Christmas Eve. I think she wanted to catch a glance of you-know-who. Santa Claus? It took Esposito a moment to sadly answer. Yes. You see, it was my turn this year. My turn to tend his team and make sure they were fed. Esposito paused for a moment. He looked at the reindeer, then explained. Papa Noel told me to trust you. He said very clearly that you are both on the nice list, so I suppose it's okay to tell. You see, elves aren't the only ones who help him in his work. Zookeepers such as myself set up way stations for his reindeer team. For Santa, the night of Christmas Eve goes on much longer than for us, and his animals get hungry. Zoos all across the world provide a safe place for Santa to land and recharge. Fascinating. My brother was considering something. And there is a schedule, a plan for where Santa is going to stop. He looked towards the door we'd come through, the one that Esposito had used to close out Edith the Volunteer. Yes, we keep it very secret, but this year it was my turn. Last year, I assume it was the Bronx Zoo. My brother asked, making eye contact with me. He didn't have to say a word as I creeped slowly towards the door, my feet not making a sound. Esposito nodded, watching me in a curious manner. I wonder if they have volunteers there as well, my brother asked in a low voice. Esposito said, I'm sure zoos would have a tough time operating without such helpers. Caring for animals is a passion, but it doesn't pay very well. I don't suppose you know if those volunteers were of the grandmotherly sort, my brother asked as I pulled the door open. Edith fell in. She'd been using the oldest trick in the book putting a glass against the door to listen. Well, hello, madam. Aren't you a curious senior citizen? My brother said, looking down. With surprising agility, she got to her feet. For a moment, I thought maybe she was a younger person in disguise. But then I heard her bones ache with the effort and knew that she was exactly what she appeared to be. A highly trained, dangerous grandma. You won't get anything from me, she said, getting down in her fighting stance. Oh, I think we know enough. You see, I've heard the song. Your motives are quite clear. I'm only wondering how large your conspiracy is. Tell me, how many grandmas are out there waiting to take Santa down? What song? Esposito asked. My brother turned. Grandma got run over by a reindeer, of course. Most don't know it, but that is a completely true story. I could tell Edith was getting ready to bolt, and the space between her and the door was too small, with tables and counters in the way for me to get around and block the exit. She snarled in response to my brother. A man who drives a sleigh and plays with elves should never receive a driver's license. I was considering my options for taking her down, when I felt the urge to say, I've always been a bit confused by that. Santa sometimes called the jolly old elf, but then in other stories he's a saint, and then Zookeeper Esposito called him Papa Noel earlier. So is he an elf? A man? What exactly is he? A criminal, Edith said, shooting out the door. I sighed and started after her. She was fast for an old lady, going out the back door and moving swiftly through the freshly fallen snow. She was following the walkway, heading straight to the seal tank, turning left and starting towards the main entrance. Ordinarily, I would never come off the pedestrian path, but while in hot pursuit, I was willing to whip into their landscaping. Please don't ever do this. The people that maintain our parks work hard and don't want visitors trampling their precious plantings. But as I was chasing a woman with a grudge against Santa, I was willing to risk anything. Even taking a shortcut, she proved too fast for me, so I took out one of those smoke bombs in my coat and threw it in her path. 
sure that hid her from my sight, but she wouldn't be able to see where she was going either. At the popping sound of the bomb, the seals came awake and stood on their perches. They started barking at us in annoyance. I dove into the black cloud, clobbering her, hitting her in the center, and wrapping myself around her waist like a python. The first thing I did was take her brass knuckles from her pocket and throw them away. Then I tried tripping her. She proved too skilled, though, and stayed on her feet as we both slipped across the wet ground, finally falling together and coming to a stop in front of the tank. Sorry, guys, I said to the barking seals. They watched us scramble, kick, and bite. Edith, as it turns out, was quite strong, and what she lacked in training, she made up for in experience and viciousness. Eventually, I got the upper hand. By the time my brother caught up to us, we were laid across the concrete. Edith held in an arm bar, and me with a pair of dentures attached to my neck. Good work, Missy, he said. It looks like we've closed another case, I said, while struggling to hold Locke. Oh no, children. I'm afraid that's where you're wrong. A voice said from the gate. Coming out of the shadows was a woman I recognized. It was our cab driver. My brother put his hands on his hips and faced the woman. I assumed Edith wasn't working alone. It's very kind of you to reveal yourself. The two of you can share a cell together. She laughed. <laughs> For assaulting a mythical creature, what court do you plan to see us tried in? My brother laughed even harder. <laughs> though it sounded forced. I assure you there's more to our legal system than you know. Our government has resources for cases like this. Speaking of resources. The woman snapped her finger and more elderly women came walking out of the shadows. They quickly surrounded us. Some held canes in a threatening manner. Our cab driver looked at her army approvingly. Even the few that seemed confused to be there. It's really a shame to have to come out in force on Christmas Eve. But when I heard that Santa had recruited the great Dr. Mayhem, I thought it prudent. You see, young man, you're not up against two elderly women. You stand against the might of the Confederacy of Grandmothers. I'd suggest you let Edith go. I'll be honest. I love a challenge, and while the odds seemed stacked against us, I was more than willing to test my mettle against this army of grannies. We are an ancient group, older than you could imagine, young man. You don't want to cross us, she warned. Be that as it may, I cannot let you go on attacking Santa Claus every Christmas. Then tell the fat man to make amends. We'd be willing to forgive his crime if he'd make up for it. I mean, it was the 70s when it happened, and it was probably an accident. Still, Sylvia was one of our highest-ranking members. The 1970s? My goodness, your organization can hold a grudge, I pointed out. Well, we are grandmothers, after all. I still haven't forgiven Edith there for giving away my brisket recipe. I knew you were still mad, Edith called from where I held her on the ground. My brother shook his head. What do you want from Santa? Tell me, and I'll see that the message reaches him. The cab driver crossed our arms. It's simple, really. All he has to do is take a sharper look at his list. He's become too gentle in determining who's naughty and nice. We all love our grandchildren, but some of them are little monsters, paying no respect to their elders. We want him to update his guidelines. If he does that, along with watching where he's going, we'll leave him alone. Augustus nodded, then turned to me, motioning for me to let Edith up. Right then. I'll make it clear that children must respect their grandparents to be on the nice list. Well, respect their grandmothers anyway. We're not all that concerned about grandfathers. Anyone who would waste their time watching golf on TV can fend for themselves. Understood. Away, my sisters! 
the cab driver said, and the old woman started to leave. None of them did it very quickly, though. When the only one left was our driver, she turned to us and warned. Remember, children, we have eyes everywhere. Augustus nodded, and then she disappeared into the night. When we were alone, I asked my brother, So that's it? They just get away with it? It's Christmas Eve, Missy, and I, for one, would rather be nestled in my bed than battling someone's grandmother. They're old, you see, and they won't be around forever, so we'll put up with it. Just like I put up with you, giving him a little jab. Augustus put his arm over my shoulder. Merry Christmas, Missy. Let's go home. So here you have a prime example of how a silly idea can turn into a decent story. An ancient order of grandmothers who secretly wanted revenge on Santa had been playing around in my head for a while, but it wasn't until this summer that I thought how much fun it would be to bring back the boy detective and his awesome sister. I've got a bunch of mysteries I want to write for them, but it's just finding the time. You see, I write books too, and there's four out now. My latest are for an older audience, like 14 and up. They're science fiction. I've written two, and I'm working on the third, and it's going to be a seven-book series by the time it's done. The first one's called The Stars Beyond the Mesa. But don't worry, if that's too old for you, you can still get a copy of The Curse of Purgatory Cove, my pirate book, or even better, get a copy of Sparky and Spazoid off of Amazon and listen to the podcast. Speaking of those space explorers, that'll probably be the next thing you hear, the sequel to the first book. It's already written, I just have to go back and edit it, but it probably won't be out until the fall. However, if you want a preview of the story, I've been creating a webcomic with it. Check it out at Webtoons. Just search Sparky and Spaz. In the meantime, dive into all the stories here, and thanks for listening. The music for this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod. Uh, now please let us in. <laughs> you can't laugh. You can't laugh. <laughs>